the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Welcome, welcome back. This is Darwin Messidu. Welcome back to uh, Season 3, Episode 6 of The Ekphrastic, a podcast where we paint pictures with words. Today's subject, Jamie Holmes is a self-taught painter whose work tells the story of contemporary life for black families in the Deep South, primarily focused in Louisiana. But first, let's get into some art news. And we're going to start off a little rapid fire. We've been trying this a couple uh, a couple episodes in now. Uh, and so this is from Apollo, the international art magazine. Um, first up, the painter Sam Gilliam has died at the age of 88. Born in Tupelo, Mississippi, Gilliam studied fine art at the University of Louisville. He moved to Washington, Washington D.C. in 1962 after marrying Dorothy Butler, the first black female reporter at the Washington Post. In the U.S. Capitol, he became influenced by the work of color field artists such as Maurice Lewis and Kenneth Nolan. In and around 1965, he made his first draped work suspended lengths of vividly painted unstretched canvas from walls and ceilings. His breakthrough came a few years later with a widely praised solo exhibition at the Kokorum uh, Gallery of Art in 1969. Next up, Daniel Weiss, CEO and president of Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, has announced that he is stepping down in June 2023, having served at the head of the institution since 2015. So Weiss has been praised for a tenure in which the museum carried out major capital projects, including the uh, redevelopment of the British galleries and fostered a more inclusive environment for his uh, staff. So he's stepping down. All right. Next in the news on on Tuesday. So this was uh, a few days a few few days ago from when I'm recording. Four men, one armed with a sledgehammer, another reportedly with a gun, carried out an armed robbery at Tifaf Fair in Maastricht. The glass of two vitrines at the booth of London jewelry um, dealer Symbolic and Chase was smashed. Dutch police have confirmed that jewelry has been stolen. The fair has yet to confirm the value of the items. Two Belgian men arrested shortly after the incident were released from custody without charge on Thursday. All right, last bit of our rapid fire here. So Aaron de Grot, this is CEO um, and director at the Orlando Museum of Art, has been removed from his post by trustees after FBI agents raided the museum uh, last week. Agents from the Bureau's art crime team. Oh, oh, they specifically, I thought that was just in the movies. They have an art crime team at the Bureau. That's that's interesting. Seized 25 paintings with disputed attributions to Jean-Michel Basquiat. We covered him during our first season, which were included in the exhibition Heroes and Monsters, uh, a Basquiat uh, exhibition there. So according to the search warrant, the paintings had been under investigations uh, under under investigation since their discovery in 2012. Okay, uh, so that was a quick rundown of some some of those headlines. There, so you want to um, uh, 
Google those or put them in a search engine and find out a little bit more about some of those things we just covered there. Uh, was there any other quick news in the, in the, in the roundup here that we could squeeze in? Um, Philadelphia Museum returns looted trophy to the Czech Republic. The Philadelphia Museum of Art has reached an agreement to uh, restitute a cultural artifact to the Czech Republic. The 17th century silver archer's trophy arrived at the U.S. Museum as part of the collection of Carl Otto Kretschmar von Kingbush. I thought I was done with that name a couple names ago. <laughs> that was a long one. Uh, the trophy, which was originally from Dresden, Germany, was stolen by the Nazis during World War II and what was then uh, Czechoslovakia. And so that, uh, read up a little bit more on that one at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Okay, so some of our, the two feature articles for, for today, um, this first one is, is a you know, giving us an update on, uh, we talked a little bit about the Ukraine and, and Russia situation that's going on and how it impacts the art world. So uh, right here, I'm reading from the artnewspaper.com. Uh, and this one is titled, Art Will Go Back Underground. Artist Emilia uh, Kabakov and, uh, on the War in Ukraine and the Fate of the Russian Art World. They begin. The artist couple, Ilya and Emilia Kabakov, live and create at a, at a home and a studio on Long Island, New York. The art newspaper met with them uh, there and spoke to Emilia about the often pro, uh, prophetic nature of art and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, where both artists were born. Okay, so uh, the newspaper asks, One of Ilya's drawings of ships, which has Go Fuck Yourself written in Russian in the background, has become a sort of meme during the war in Ukraine. It has been used to represent the famous incident at Snake Island in the Black Sea in February, in which uh, defiant Ukrainian sailors declared Russian warship Go Fuck Yourself. Uh, Ilya's image, uh, created decades ago, began to circulate widely online after a recording of the standoff went viral. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So then Amelia replies, uh, Ilya's drawing was created in 1984, and there is a whole story there. It is an album with drawings de uh, depicting cows, rabbits, and all sorts of flowers and birds. The idea is that there are children children's drawings, but there are always these bad words hidden beneath them we have a few stories about this instead of uh of this set of drawings a father went to the store brought back a coloring book and the mother says the bad words is in it they went to the militia and there was an entire investigation into the enemies of the soviet union who planted such bad words in a children's coloring book Ila made these drawings in 1984 and in the 1990s we made prints without anything like war in mind now it has been dug up and taken on a whole different meaning it turns out Ilya hit the nail on the head. Russian collector and gallerist Merit Gulliam helped get this meme started, by the way. Uh, I immediately got a call from the Lithuanian National Museum of Art, who have a collection of works by Ilya, asking for permission to publish it. We agreed, sent them the image, and they made the postcards. So they move on. You have shown us a number of your works today and shared the stories of their creation. It seems like many of them are taking on a new life in connection with current events. They respond, They have turned out to be multi-layered and many of them live in uh, the present day. The Red Pavilion has made the 1993 Venice uh, uh, Biennial 
by no sorry it was designed to show the soviet union um, never truly disappeared yet at the time uh perestroika the attempt launched by uh mikhail gorbachev uh, to to reform the soviet system has still uh was still happening in russia everything was changing but at as the uh, former prime minister Viktor uh, Chernomadin, I, I don't know, know his name there, once said, he once said, uh, Victor once said, uh, we wanted the best, but it turned out, as always, it turned out that everything that Russia managed to build and change in the past 30 years disappeared overnight, and everything is returning to the same old system of repression. I'm not even mentioning the military operation in Ukraine, which is in fact the most frightening of wars because says because since it seems possible that it could lead to all-out nuclear war everyone is on edge the entire world has turned upside down why this happened and uh to what end no one knows the red pavilion again uh, was returned we were told at the time that it uh, would never return that it is uh nonsense and we we are we are stuck in the past but it turns out we weren't stuck in the past we were looking into the future. We didn't want this, but this is as fate would have it. Uh, it's a pretty long article there. Let me wrap up uh, to the end uh, to get to the crux of what why we wanted to read this article in the first place. What will happen with the Russian art world? Uh, and they respond, I read that apartment uh, exhibitions are being held again in small cities around Russia. Artists bring their paintings and invite people to see them for free. We've returned to Moscow in the 60s and 70s. Th things have come full circle. It means unofficial art will appear again. We will get a new unofficial world of Kobukovs, uh, Bulutovs, Vysilevs, Komars, and Milamids. <laughs> I have no idea if I, how well I did with uh, with any of those. But if you're I, I, if you're in the Russian-speaking uh, uh, world, uh, yeah, leave a comment and let me know how that was. And so uh, let me wrap this up. I received a very interesting email today from a Moscow artist who has two sons and will probably probably be forced to leave Russia because he has put together an exhibition of portraits of people who are who were arrested. He asked me what to do. I said, I think uh, he has to think of his children and they will suffer. He said he's read all of the interviews Ilya and I have given and um, given and everything we've written because he wants to understand how to create multi-level works in which it's not always possible to recognize what's inside for them not to be obviously anti-government my answer is that art must always be like this it can't be direct or unilinear it must be complex people are not so simple there there is a black there is no black there is no white we are very multi-layered people that is what makes us people the problem is that all of the truly talented artists have left. They are all known here, but they are not. He but they are not here. A very interesting article came out recently in a Russian publication about a hundred living Russian artists who you should know. It says Ilya Kobakov still holds the title of number one Russian artist. I think they might have rushed to claim him as a Russian artist so that Ukraine doesn't lay claim to him. But I would like to repeat what I said before. We consider ourselves international artists, born in the Soviet Union and living in the United States. So that was a very interesting piece. I, I skipped around a little bit, uh, but I, I would suggest you find it in the art newspaper 
and and read up on the rest of that and finally for our last featured article on thursday afternoon beyonce unveiled the cover of renaissance her newest album and many fans immediately took to social media that it looked a lot like a famed painting from the 19th century the cover which was shot by carolyn jacobs features a scantily clad beyonce atop a silvery horse it bears more than a few similarities to john collier's 1880s painting Lady Godiva, which depicts a nude woman who figures um, prominently in Anglo-Saxon lore. As legend has it, Lady Godiva rode a horse in the buff sometime during the 11th century as a protest against plans for her husband, Leofric, to impose a harsh tax on the citizens of Coventry, England. Leofric said he would call it off if she appeared in town naked and on horseback, and she took up the dare. She is believed to have told all the citizens to stay home so she could retain her dignity. And all but one, a man known as Peeping Tom, did, uh, although this part is thought to be, um, you know, just lore. The painting by Collier, an artist associated with the pre-Raphaelite movement, is currently held by the uh, Herbert Art Gallery and Museum in Coventry, England, which owns a collection of works that depict Lady Godiva. Beyonce herself didn't mention Lady Godiva or the Collier painting when she announced the album cover, though her capture for it on Instagram seemed to echo uh, some of the themes of the Anglo-Saxon legend. She writes, My intention was to create a safe place, a place without judgment. Beyonce said of her album, A place to be free of perfectionism and overthinking. A place to scream, release, feel freedom. It was a beautiful journey of exploration. The comparison to Collier's painting was made by various fan account, uh, accounts on Twitter, some of whom also linked the Renaissance cover to the time in uh, 1977 with Bianca uh, uh, Yeager arrived in New York's famed Studio 54 Club on horseback. Art News has reached out to representative uh, for Jacob for comment on the possible Collier reference. In prior projects, Beyonce has made many art historical references. She has appeared with her husband, the rapper Jay-Z, near masterpieces in the Louvre and rarely uh, seen Jean-Michel Basquiat paintings. And she has featured works from David Heymans, uh, Richard Prince, Derek Adams, Conrad Iguir, uh, and, uh, and others in her music videos. She has even involved artists in her uh, various initiatives, bringing on photographers like Ewa Erutsku and Tyler Mitchell to take her portrait. So far, it remains to be seen whether Renaissance will make any more allusions to art history. The first single, Break My Soul, doesn't have any obvious ones. The album's title, however, seems to suggest there could be um, more to come. Fans will find out for sure when the album drops on July 29th. So before, uh, so that will be the end of our, our news segment. But before we get back to our artists, I have yet another book recommendation. So this one is called We Are Artists, Women Who Made Their Mark on the World uh, by, and this book is by Carrie Herbert. So this is a richly illustrated book. Uh, we Are Artists celebrates the life and work of 15 female artists from around the globe and the distinctive mark they made on the art, uh, on the art world. Uh, so presented as a collection of exciting biographical stories each section reveals how the artist's unique approach and perspective provides 
you know, art and history in society with a new way of seeing things. So We Are Artists places the spotlight on women painters, sculptors, printmakers, illustrators, designers, and craftswomen who created monumental artwork, often against daunting odds. The book includes reproductions of modern and contemporary artwork by Frida Kahlo, Yo-Yo uh, Kusama, Jojo Keefe, uh, and many and many more. Just uh, so those are just name a few. Through their personal stories, readers will learn about the art movement each artist worked in and the influence they asserted on both the art world and society as a whole. Uh, so this book starts to rewrite art history for the next generation of fans. It will inspire young readers and you know artists and budding artists everywhere. So I recommend you find that at your local bookstore or if not, go online uh, to one of those uh, giant uh, um, conglomerates that uh, control the access to books. All right, so back to our artist of the day, Jamie Holmes. Through portraiture and tableau, Jamie Holmes depicts stories of the celebrations and struggles of everyday life, with particular attention paid to a profound sense of place. Growing up just 20 minutes away from the Mississippi River, Holmes was surrounded by the social and economic consequences of America's dark past, situated within a deep pocket of the Sun Belt, where, where reminders of, of slavery exist alongside labor union conflicts with the uh, fluctuation and intensity since the Thibodeau Massacre of 1887. His work is a counterpoint to the romantic mythology of Louisiana as a hub of charming hospitality, an idea that has perpetuated in order to hide the deep scars of poverty and, and racism that have structured life in the state for centuries. Texas Monthly um, asked the question, when did you begin teaching yourself art and how would you say your art has changed over time? James Holmes replied, I started creating when I was a kid, when I was young. I didn't have any other option or way to express emotion. For me, creating was a way to express emotion and gratitude. G giving my, my mom a, a gift of something I made was an accessible way for me to show appreciation towards her. Before I started painting seriously, I used to write a lot of my feelings down as notes in my cell phone. When I moved those feelings into painting, my, my early work reflected a lot of that emotion. I took on a more expressionist route with colors and, and gestures. From there, I discovered that what I really wanted to communicate after I got those initial emotions out was my story. I wanted to show people who I was and where I came from, and that's how I moved into other figurative work. How does his style, you know, gets formed, and how does he end up developing it over time? Born of a Sierra Leonean father and having grown up impoverished in South Louisiana, his expressive paintings are reflections of his upbringing and various social events around the world. Through his seminal use of color and recurring symbolism, Holm creates works that provide viewers with a look into his complex thinking. In comparison to his normally stoic and reserved demeanor, Holmes' works burst with passion and theoretical expression. Although his paintings are beautiful at first glance, a closer look will uncover a darkness and vulnerability that are uniquely his. Despite the circumstances of his um, of its setting, Holmes' work is 
characterized by the moments he captures where family, ritual, and tradition are celebrated. His presentation of simple moments of togetherness and joy within the Black population that nurtures the culture of Louisiana has made him an, an advocate for his community. Holmes' paintings fall somewhere between realistic depiction and raw abstraction, incorporating text, symbols, and objects, and rendering in an uncut style that mirrors a short transition from memory to canvas. He often references references uh, photographs from home, but also draw uh, heavily from his own recollection of moments and scenes and works quickly to translate his emotions to paint. So you see one of those when you walk into a room, you might have stumbled upon a Jamie Holmes. His artwork often draws heavily on his childhood in Louisiana and his experiences as a black man in America. In the piece Endurance, Holmes cuts his brother's hair in front of a blue floral background. He said he put flowers behind us, behind them, because it, he wanted to tone down the blackness in, in, in them. And he told that to the New York, New York Times. And, and, and just, you know, as a 6'3", you know, bearded guy with tattoos and loves jewelry, he, 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 wants, he wants to present safer. So racism and police brutality are unfortunate and familiar topics for him. He says that um, I knew I needed to do more than paint another image of this. So this is uh, around the George Floyd protest era. Uh, and that's when I thought about taking my former protest to the skies. Holmes says uh, of his most recent project. So he reached out to Library Street Collective, a Detroit-based gallery that represents him to fund the project. Holmes then flew banners in cities around the U.S. as a public art project, as well as a national display of solidarity with protests already underway in Minneapolis. Let's... Can, I wonder if... Uh, Find out a little bit more about this uh, project. That so this was okay. I'm finding something here. This is in dmagazine.com. Okay, got an arts section. Um, you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and read this? This is a relatively short article. So artist Jamie Holmes wants to remind Dallas about the city's Black history. Oh, this is is this about the? Okay, let me let me just trust the article. All right. In the book Chocolate Cities, the Black Map of American Life, Dallas is categorized as a chocolate city. The so, uh, sociologist des de, uh, descriptor for the art artistic and cultural productions of the city's black communities. Authors Marcus Anthony Hunter and Zandria Robinson describe these as the sights and sounds of black art and oppression and the container for the combined ingredients of pain, play, pleasure, and protests that compromise the black experience. To classify Dallas as a chocolate city is inherently political. It acknowledges the many freedmen's towns that have been paved over across the city. It is a conscious awareness of the increasing displacement of black communities and a recognition of the silent violence that occurs when public agencies take land to create new neighborhoods, freeways, and parks. Dallas-based artist Jamie Holmes has produced a billboard that is a larger version of his I've Seen It All machine-in-hand embroidered linen flag series. It features a pair of eyes that gaze out upon Uptown, which was once home of both Little Mexico 
and the freedmen's towns known as Short North Dallas. Though he moved here only about five years ago, Dallas is familiar to the Louisiana native. As a child, Holmes spent summers in Oak Cliff with extended family. The predominantly black neighborhood reminded him of Thibodeau, his hometown. I come from a true life slave, a true to life slave town, says the visual artist. His hometown was the place uh, of what he calls the first labor massacre and biggest in the world. Smithsonian Magazine characterized the violent event as the end of unionized farm labor in the South for decades. These are Holmes' origins, which inform the social, cultural, and political themes seen in his contemporary paintings. They pay homage to black families in the Deep South. Faith, tradition, and ritual are evident in his paintings. Recreations of Southern baptism, black women, church elders, caskets, and preachers are frequently depicted in his painted works. His art is the physical creation of a story often experienced but not always told. In a sense, he paints from the experience in his mind. Like a writer putting pen to paper, this is a selection of communal experience from the world, for the world to see. Last year, the visual artist released a series of aerial demonstrations in response to George Floyd throughout cities in the United States. In bold red letters, a banner that read, My Neck Hurts, grazed across the Dallas skies to remind the city about police misconduct and inhumane experience he himself has experienced. Public canvas, the sky was an open public canvas for Holmes' political statements. Likewise, this new work uses the public sphere. At night, the billboard's eyes are an overseer, a pair of black eyes that watch the destruction of its beloved chocolate city. It's bittersweet in a sense, like how the first harsh, unsweetened bite of dark chocolate turns some away from the rest of the bar. Others relish in its flavor, a paradoxical sensory experience of something that appears sweet but tastes bitter. When looking up at Holmes' billboard, one can imagine a passive bystander with a pair of black eyes watching them, serving as an omnipresent reminder of the city that was. To others, it reminds them of their ancestral connection to Dallas, one whose forefathers built freedmen's towns along the rivers and floodwaters and create their own homes. Similar to the bespectacled uh, eyes in the billboard in F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, Holmes' recent work reminds us of the main and supporting character in the city's story that have been written and pushed out of it. Holmes chatted with Dee about the billboard's experience in Dallas and his efforts to support the city's black communities. Uh, so, yeah, it goes on for a little while with this extra interview there. But I guess that's a, just a little part that I wanted to catch was um, the flying of the banners uh, over the city. And that helped tie in his um, uh, to, to his activism work and uh, in, in even his 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 own art, you know, the activism is ever present. So today's ekphrastic poem is, this is, this is uh, an oldie, but a goodie. And it's so fortuitous that this, it happens to be uh, the time of year that we're recording this. So this one is sort of a retrospective on the illusion by Jamie Holmes. So here's your reminder. 
Remember, this is going to be a description of a visual art piece. As I'm speaking, I want you to visit the Ekphrastic page on my website, darwindarko.com. Check the show notes. There should be a link there. Um, you will find at the site a uh, catalog for your viewing pleasure, all the artwork we discussed here. Uh, to accompany today's reading, I want you to pull up The Illusion. It's an acrylic and oil pastel on canvas measuring about 72 by 72. Um, so it's a lovely, interesting piece, and, and you'll see why in a second when, as soon as you find it. I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. Fellow citizens, pardon me, allow me to ask, why am I called upon to speak here today? What have I, or those I represent, to do with your national independence? Are the great principles of political freedom and natural justice embodied in that Declaration of Independence extended to us? And am I therefore called upon to bring our humble offerings to the national altar and to confess the benefits and express devout gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us? I am not included within the pale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you this day rejoice are not enjoyed in common. The rich inheritance of justice, liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. This 4th of July is yours, not mine. You may rejoice. I must mourn. To drag a man in fetters into the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems were inhuman mockery and sacrilegious irony. Do you mean, citizens, to mock me by asking me to speak today? What to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than any other days in the year the gross injustice and cruelty to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy license your national greatness, swelling vanity. Your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciation of tyrants, brass-fronted impudence. Your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery. Your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, are to him mere bombast. Fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace 
a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of the United States at this very hour. At a time like this, scorching irony, not convincing argument is needed. Oh, had I the ability to, I could, I could reach in the nation's ear. I would today pour out a stream, a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm and stern rebuke. For it is not light that is needed, it is fire. It is not the gentle shower, but thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, and the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The consciousness of the nation must be roused. The propriety of the nation must be startled. The hypocrisy of the nation must be exposed. And its crimes against God and man must be proclaimed and unequivocally denounced. On July 5th, 1852, Frederick Douglass was invited to address the citizens of his hometown, Rochester, New York. Whatever the expectations of his audience on the 76th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence, Douglass used the occasion not to celebrate the nation's triumphs, but to remind all of its continuing enslavement of millions of people. The best reading of this historic passage was done by the great James Earl Jones. Can't say I did it any justice, but I, re I really recommend you going on YouTube uh, and, and checking that out. Despite not having a formal art education, the intrinsic value and aesthetic reach of Holmes' work is steadily increasing within regional, national, and international art worlds. So what's it looking like out there for Jamie? Um, his works have, uh, offered, have been offered at auction multiple times with realized prices ranging from $2,000 to $193,000, uh, you know, depending on the size, the medium, and, and the artwork. So the, the $193,000 art was for uh, birthday. It's, uh, that's the, the first birthday, which is a Jamie piece, and that was sold in uh, at Christie's in Hong Kong for uh, in uh, 2021. Jamie Holmes has been featured in articles for Art News, Art in America, Art Daily. Uh, there, was a most, there was another recent article, uh, Green Family Art Foundation announces move from Dallas, Dallas's design district, to the art district. Uh, that was written for Glass Tire in, in February. And, and, and that move that, that that foundation is doing includes some works by Jamie Holmes. Um, his paintings are included in the collections of museums of fine art in Houston, in Scantlin, um, and Columbus Museum of Art. Um, so let's see, he has an exhibition coming up actually September, uh, this, yeah, this year, September, at the Marion Bosky Gallery that's in beautiful New York, New York. You should check him out on Instagram. He's at jholmes214. Uh, give him a follow. Give him a like on his stuff. And, you know, tell him the Ekphrastic sent you. 
So uh, thanks again for joining me. We have painted yet another pretty picture today with our words. I'm glad you took the time to join me on this journey for this uh, artwork and uh, all the other artwork we discussed. Please visit the website www.darwindarko.com backslash ekphrastic it's where you can find all of this stuff catalog for your viewing pleasure um, if you like the show or if you want to leave some creative feedback please rate us five stars and still leave us the bad comment you know what I mean give us the, the negative feedback <laughs> that's fine but still give us the five stars um, that's always helpful uh, another great way to support the show is to share it on your social media facebook twitter whatsapp uh whatever you got uh snapchat uh speaking of which we are on twitter at the acrastic um instagram screen name would be uh, uh yep instagram the acrastic same thing and on youtube just search acrastic podcast and uh you can find us in all those spaces and hopefully you get an up you, you get updates when Every we have new episodes and they could just, you know, swim our way up your timeline. All right. Uh, so I've been Darwin Mesadu. Thanks again for listening to the Ekphrastic.